Hello, everyone. I'm Yasra Mamizadeh, and you're listening to Tavan Studio and Conversation, where we talk about art design and living creatively with female artists and makers. Today, we have Lina Qasasiya with us, um, Palestinian-American ceramicist, photographer, and mixed-media artist. Um, she's currently based in Dubai. Actually, I'm in her house right now. This is the first <laughs> time after a whole year that I've been able to see the person I'm speaking with face-to-face, <laughs> which is really nice. Um, we did spend like a good hour before even starting this recording, um, talking about life and catching up. Um, that's usually, we can't really accomplish that when we go online. Um, but this, yeah, but this has been really nice. Um, welcome Lina. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is really exciting. So Lina's work is, um, I mean, I've noticed her work a while ago and I actually own one of her um, ceramic pieces, which is really beautiful and has added so much joy into my home and my life. Um, and Lena's work, I think what I really love about your work also is that you do different thing, different things and you have different disciplines, but like your aesthetics and your color palette kind of like carries out throughout <laughs> all the different work that you do. And like in your life and house and clothing so yeah you have like this like trademark like lena's work um <laughs> thanks before, for noticing yeah <laughs> but before i go yeah i should probably like stop talking and let you speak right now so yeah thank you for being with us and thank you for having me in your beautiful home thank you so much for coming yeah so lena tell us start from the beginning where talk to us about your journey of, you know, becoming oh. an artist where you grew up, like how did you end up in Dubai? What brought you here and how did your, you know, where did your work start and how it evolved? That's like 25 questions. Yeah. In one question. Yeah. Uh, let me try to organize my <laughs> thoughts in a way. So um, I would say like my artistic practice, or I guess my vision as an artist really using the word artist is very recent. Mm -hmm. So like I've always been a I would quote unquote creative person since I was a kid. Like I remember when I was really young, uh I would always steal the computer stacks of paper like the printer stacks mm -hmm. of paper from my dad's office mm -hmm. and lock myself in my shared room with my sister and draw comics and like narrate them out loud like a weirdo to myself. <laughs> and my sister would come banging at night like Alina, I want to go to sleep. And I'm like, no, I'm drawing. <laughs> um so like I remember doing those kinds of things a lot when I was little or making a magazine or illustrating stories for my mom. And so like that's always been an interest of mine. And I did take like some drawing classes as a kid because my mom noticed that interest and wanted to kind of encourage it. But I was never encouraged as a young adult to follow that. So it was never mm -hmm. an option to go to art school in my family. Okay. Um, my dad's a doctor. All my siblings are going the medical school route. Uh, my mom has, you know, a master's in international business. Though she is a creative woman, that was never her. Like she paints and she sings and she cooks and she draws, but she... It, it was never encouraged as like a lifestyle, a lifestyle or a career. A career. Or, mm -hmm, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I never even thought that it's an option. Like I didn't know people actually go to art school and like make a whole living out of or design school or some creative mm -hmm. trade. Like I just, and I remember when I was 17 or 18, I thought I'd go to beauty school. Like that seemed to me, I was like, at least, you know, it's a clear <laughs> living. You can go be a stylist, whatever. Right. My dad flat out rejected that. He was like, no way is any child of mine going to beauty school. You want to stand on your feet for 10 hours a day for, for pennies. Like, you're not going to make any money. Like, how? And I was so upset and I was crying and I was like, no, you're not supporting my creative dreams. Yeah. 
Uh, and then like three weeks later, I realized I hate doing my own hair. So why would I? <laughs> so it made sense. But, um, but I think over time and after finishing, I, I studied political science which is not creative at all. Oh, wow. um, and I felt like that was very... That was your undergrad. That was my undergrad mm-hmm. degree. Um, and I finished that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to move to Jordan. My family's Palestinian. So I want to move. I was living in New Mexico at the time. That's where I did my bachelor's degree. And then I was like, I'm going to move to Jordan and like figure myself out and, you know, connect with those roots. And mm-hmm. um, I thought I would like teach English for a year. Some very cheesy cliche thing. <laughs> and then I went and did like a whole training course in teaching English as a second language. Oh, no, okay. So you did take that route I seriously. actually take, okay. took that route seriously I paid so much money to do that and I'm man and then I realized I also hate teaching and yeah. I was like okay I can't do this so I was in the middle of Jordan like I don't want to disappoint my family I've really really fought hard to be able to come to Jordan because they were all like why why do you want to do that like we're here in the states everything's great you should stay and I was yeah. like no 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 it's important for me to mm-hmm. so then um after a month of doing this training course and hating teaching English I was like okay I'm here I need to make money I need to do something to survive um so I started working well I was interning at a publication house um trying to prove myself that I could write that I could be one of their editors after a couple of weeks um I was writing like uh, yeah I was always interested of yours okay yeah I was always like I was really into creative writing in college like Mm -hmm. I didn't it wasn't something I studied but it was something I was always interested in um as a teenager I wrote a lot of you know fiction stories and poetry and whatever and so uh, after two weeks of doing this internship, I went to the editor in chief, who's this like really loud, intense Jordanian woman. And I was like, Rania, can I please have a job? Like I'm working my ass off here. Can I please, um, be one of your associate editors? Mm-hmm. And I was like 21 at the time, like just naive and young. And I what had have no I got idea. to lose? Yeah, yeah. Like why not? And so she was like, you know what? Okay. I'll hire you. Like you don't have any experience, but like, let's give it a try. Um, and she hired me and that job, I think, really propelled so it it showed me that there's this whole creative world of jobs and of people that um and a creative kind of economy that I didn't ever have exposure to Mm -hmm. and so part of my role was also interviewing artists and writing about artists and I did like an artist profile every month in in the magazine it was it was an architecture slash art slash social magazine so um, that introduced me to this whole world of people. And then I saw their art practices. I saw their studios and I was like, this is stuff that I do. All-. Like I've always had like an art station in my mm-hmm. house, but I just thought I wasn't sharing it. I was yeah. just doing it. It was just natural to me. Yeah. Um, I, w- I never thought of selling art, making art, putting art in a gallery show like that. I just, it didn't even occur to me. And then this job opened those doors in the sense that I realized there are people that are doing that Mm. and they're not that much different from me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to have a degree in art to be making Mm -hmm. art or to, um, but that process started, yeah, then in that job. Um, And then um, I think after kind of being more connected in the Jordanian art community, I realized, you know what, maybe I should start putting myself out there and maybe I should start like, what makes me any worse than any of these people? Like, why am right. I, why can't I also put myself out there? Mm-hmm. Um, it took a couple of years to get to that point. Right. I mean, it's so important to go and see um, what other people are. Sometimes I think that like, no, you should just like isolate yourself and just do your work. But I think seeing other people's work and the communities that are presenting people's yeah. work, sometimes instead of making you feel like, okay, I'm not that 
good. It could also make you feel like, why the hell am I not want, like, I should be here as well. Yeah. You know? And, mm-hmm. or something also to aspire to. Yeah, like, exactly. Maybe I am not at that level, but I could get there if I did these certain mm-hmm. things and continued to put myself out there and, and get criticisms and get mm-hmm. feedback. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think at that point I started, um, like, uh, if there's a group show or something, I would a- apply to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first show ever was at the studio. It's a place called The Studio in Amman, and it was founded by three Jordanian, three or four Jordanian women artists, one of whom is now my co-founder of Daftar Asfar. Her name is Sara Hatahet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I was in that group show, which was all amazing Jordanian artists, men and women, um, and... That was the first time that I was like, whoa, my art is good enough to be represented in a gallery with other artists. And so I think that started propelling the idea that like, okay, it was a very slow start. It took me a long time still to to build from there. Um, but so were, that's... Were you sharing this with your parents at that point? No, like really I didn't really... Felt the need. I didn't really share it because it just mm-hmm. wasn't something that was celebrated. No, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk negatively about my family, no, but no, it's but just that's not like a, the reality of it. It's yeah. not, it's kind of like... Okay, you're doing your side thing. Thank you. Yeah, like Lena has a job. Thankfully, okay. she's she's a journalist in yeah. their mind, yeah. um, and you know that's a respectable career and the title. Whatever she does in, as a hobby, yeah, it was a hobby. Yeah, um, is fine. And mm-hmm. then um, that's kind of how it was for a few years. Like I would get in a show and I would like maybe tell my mom like, "Oh, mom, I'm in a show," and she'd be like, "Oh, that's really nice. Congrats," um, but never seen as anything bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And then. It was kind of like that for a few years. And then we started Daftar Asfar, which was just a passion project. It's a collective sketchbook that we thought, you know, uh, we could pass around the Jordanian art community as a collaborative way for artists to work together and kind of build on inspiration with each other. Um, and that really was like the cementing of me, like in at least the Jordanian arts community mm-hmm. um, as like. I don't want to use the words key player because I don't think that's right. But like I was involved um, mm-hmm. in the scene. And then I started working with Amman Design Week, which is obviously its own group. Yeah, of, you're networking at this point. At yeah, that yeah. point, I was like networking. And then people started to like understand like kind of the vision I had and like the photography I was taking. And then I would start sharing art a little bit more on my page. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was, it kind of grew like that. And then I just started like the more people that, honestly it was encouragement like yeah. from that community that was like hey like your like work's really nice yeah, yeah it was like validation and like your photography is really nice your drawings are really nice you should share more you should um and I still wasn't calling myself an artist I was like yeah I'm just just like something I do mm-hmm. um and then really in the last four years I'd say it was when I was like you know what I need to make a website mm-hmm. I need to like find a way to put all of this in one place and be able to talk about it and Like, I had no idea how to write an artist statement. I had no, like, I've edited others' artist statements. I've helped them write them, but I didn't know how to write about my own. And, like, if someone asks, what are your inspirations? Like, these kind of yeah, yeah, typical questions. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know how to, because it's, it's really just things that happen. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I saw someone in a pink jacket, and then I wanted to paint that painting. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. like, yeah, so it takes a lot of work actually building those things behind an artist's practice, right? Yeah, like yeah. understanding how to communicate about your work and to allow others to feel that they can connect with it. And um, yeah, I don't know. So at what point did you, where in this timeline did you do your master's? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, where did that happen? Because you didn't do your master's in art either. You know, also art. true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, after working kind of as the editor in the magazine, mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, 
like Matt, obviously higher education was very, very much supported in my family or or not even supported, but like assumed. Mm -hmm. Um, so like no one even went to my bachelor's, uh, graduation because they were like, we'll go when you get a master's or a PhD. I was like, you're not going to go to my graduation? It's like high school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we're not going to go, we'll do a dinner after if you want. But (laughs) I was like, um, so I knew I had to do a master's. I just didn't know. So uh, that whole time in Jordan, I was thinking, what can I do a master's in that doesn't lock me to one career mm-hmm. that I can still have an art practice, but that I can maybe can use to support it in my professional job. Right. Um, cause I am also a practical person. Mm-hmm. Like while I would love to just make art all day, mm-hmm. I do know that I need to pay bills and I can't live with the stress of if a painting sells or doesn't sell, that's right. why I'm going to eat that. Much. Yeah. Yeah. You um, need that like support yeah. Be able to support yourself. Exactly. Like, and maybe that came from upbringing or just like the traditional mindset of like, you need to, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, so then, yeah, I, I kind of landed on anthropology because I've always been really interested in, in culture and how things function the way they do and how society works and why people think and operate. And um, but that's, that's also always, broad enough. It's too. broad yeah. enough, exactly, that you can almost <laughs> apply it to anything, right? And so... I was like, you know what? I grew up reading National Geographic. I've been fascinated by that for so long. Like, why don't I? And then I could combine it because I also talked to a lot. I went to talk to a lot of um, professors in journalism because I was thinking maybe that'll be where I go. Journalism or communications. And they were all like, you know, you don't really need a master's in journalism if Mm -hmm. you've been writing and working in the field. Mm -hmm. So they're like, why don't you find something you're more like history or something that you want to specifically target in your Mm -hmm. in your journalism and go from there. So I was like, okay, anthropology. There it is. Um, and I literally found one program. Um, uh, I knew I wanted to do it in Europe cause I was like, when else am I going to live in Europe? Um, and one of my best friends was in Amsterdam at the time. She's Dutch. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll just apply to this one program. If I don't get in, I'm not doing a master's. Uh-huh. And I got in and then I went to Amsterdam. Oh, amazing. Uh, so it okay. like worked out and I'm really glad I did it. Will I say that I use it all the time? Not necessarily, but mm-hmm. I think the nice thing about anthropology is it kind of changes your, your perspective on the way you do things and the way you process information. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me that we all have such ingrained biases about the way we process the world around us. And we assume certain things are the way they are, but it's actually just our perception, perception. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does help in like communications and marketing and understanding how to format and structure semantics behind language. Like I think it does contribute to the to that um mm-hmm. so I'm glad I did it but do does some part of me wish I did like a master's of fine arts maybe right, or right. yes like yeah. but there is always time I guess to do that there's always <laughs> time yeah that's like a question that I always ask myself as well I did my undergrad and I've mentioned this on the podcast before but I was in business and okay. I'm always like what the hell like, <laughs> why 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 did this happen and again there was family there was like practicality and all that kind of stuff but even to this day like I still don't see it as like even just having a business degree, like always helps in some way. It Absolutely. always pops up somewhere, like in your resume or even with your when you're speaking with someone. Like I think nothing you do really is a waste. It's exactly. just um, do it's I wish? Do I wish that like my undergrad experience was like in an art school? <laughs> Maybe, but again, like you said, there's always time to go. Yeah. Um, back to doing that if like you really want to and I think it's a great way to put it also in that um these experience kind of in these experiences you've had educationally mm-hmm. enrich the way you see the world and, mm-hmm. and add kind of a different element like I think art school because I've, I've talked to a lot of artists who have gone to art school 
and it's shaped the way they produce work Mm -hmm. um, versus someone who hasn't is kind of coming from an, I don't want to say outsiders, but it is more of an outsider's perspective, right? Like you don't have this fear or like I was taught this way so I need to to do do it it wrong right oh yeah yeah, no definitely like I I have some friends who went to art school too and now they're going through like the whole process like unlearning like okay everything that was taught to us like gonna strip that aside put it away and Mm -hmm. like come out so I guess yeah there is like I don't know you could make a situation good or bad out of anything yeah so um tell us a little bit about like the type of work that you do. I know you have different disciplines. And I think what I find really interesting with you is like, I can't pinpoint, like you're more of a ceramicist or you're more of a photographer or more of like a a painter. You kind of give all of them a nice amount of um, dedication and attention. I don't know if that's like what you're trying to convey (laughs) or you really do like love all of them equally and like give, um, and they're all part of your practice. How did you how did you choose these different um, disciplines? I think a big part of that comes down to the fact that I have um, I'm not someone who can just focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's ADHD. <laughs> I have suspicions that I have that <laughs> um, because I. I really admire artists who are like, I'm just a painter and that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to perfect that. Mm-hmm. Um, because some t- I do think there's pros and cons to having lots of disciplines you work in. One of them being, you'll never be perfect at any of them because you're always spread between. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's another thing is people don't know how to also pinpoint you. So yeah. like there might be a photography show. Someone doesn't think of me for, because I don't just sell myself. At, I don't want to say sell myself, yeah, but, but define myself as yeah. a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason it happened is just my natural inability to focus on just one thing. And so like the ceramics thing, I started really getting into it when I was back in New Mexico for a year and a half before moving to Dubai because studio space was really cheap there. Mm. And um, it was cheap to glaze and fire and buy the underglazes versus Dubai where it's a much more expensive it's a whole medium. No, it's like a whole nother it's, thing yeah. here. Yeah. Here it's it's been really challenging for me yeah. to figure out how to do that. So it, it was also a function of, yeah, accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made so many, like even the one that you have, mm-hmm. I think I made it in New Mexico and then I brought it you over. You did, yeah. So, um, and probably when I go back this summer, I'm going to make like a whole shipment and then bring them, bring them terrifyingly up. bring them with me in a suitcase, uh, which I will hug on the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's just that. And then like, I'm also a bit, um, frugal in the sense that like, if I'm, I was donated these canvases. So mm-hmm. I have like a whole trunk of canvases. And so Amazing. I'm now like, okay, I'll get back into acrylic painting. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. now I have like 20 canvases to work on. And I haven't painted in a long time or like the collage thing kind of grew out of the sense that I'm always moving. And like, that was the one thing I could always do was make collages, like just buy a glue stick and have old magazines and I can just make collage cards or a big collage or whatever. And so it's also, yeah, a function, honestly, of accessibility. Like I've never had the, the luxury of having an amazing studio space Mm -hmm. that I could really focus on just painting or a kiln to fire my own ceramics Mm -hmm. or, and so I think, 
for me, I just need to be making something. Regardless. I don't really care what the medium is. Ah, and each okay. medium, I think, has its own. What's cool about ceramics is it's a tangible and functional item. Mm-hmm. So I love that it's something you can actually use. It's not just, it. okay, it can beautify a space, but you can put a flower in it. If it's a cup, you can drink from it. If it's a plate, you can. Um, so I like that aspect, and I like that it's 3D. Um, so it, it's really fun to paint on like something mm-hmm. 3D and to use your hands in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recently since I got an iPad like the digital art thing which I always shunned I was like digital art's not the same it's not real it's not tangible it's not but it actually opens a lot of opportunities in the sense that if you're in a taxi or on a bus or you have just 20 minutes to do something you can easily draw a little illustration or yeah and you could always it's always accessible yeah yeah exactly regardless of where you are so that's opened up also doors for like freelance uh, illustration jobs that I never would have been able to do because I I was like how can I get freelance jobs when I because on paper, like, how do you do freelance if you don't have an iPad? Honestly, I don't mm. know. Unless you, I guess you can have a Wacom pad or whatever. But like. Um, which is another kind of pad. <laughs> which is another, like, those are really difficult to use, I yeah. think. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know if that answers your question. But I think for me, it's just, I want to always be making something. And mm-hmm. I will do whatever I have the access to. Access do. to. Got it. Um, and in terms of the type of work that you create, the ideas that. Like, how did, how did you, is this, like, the stuff that you're making right now, the the patterns, the colors, the color palette, I feel like you have your color palette. Like, this is Lina Rassasia's, <laughs> like, color palette. Um, are these things that, as of recent, like, when you decided that, okay, I'm going to take this path of, like, actually creating art, not just something on the side, did it happen then? Or is this, like, a continuation of what you've been doing while you're growing up? Um, I think, cause it's not like I sat down one day and I was like, I'm not that organized of a person to mm-hmm. sit down and be like, okay, this is the color palette, Lena, and we're yeah, sticking yeah. to this and yeah. you can't go one RGB off. Like, yeah. um, I think it's just what I'm naturally attracted mm-hmm. to. And like, I've always been kind of a pink girl, mm-hmm. um, at least as far as I can remember. I know there was a period of tomboy- tomboyishness, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just the colors that I'm naturally attracted to. And so like, they come out and like... People think that I've spent so much time like doing my own self branding, and I'm like, mm. no, this is just, just you. What I buy, like that's what I naturally want to buy. That's yeah. what I naturally want to have around me. Like the color pink, I don't see it necessarily as feminine. Even it's just, it's just happy mm-hmm. and it's light and it's, it's part of like me that I want, like uh, a part of me that I want to share. I think, mm-hmm. and so the color palette that I naturally gravitate towards, like even in my apartment, you can see like yeah, it's not I like I like went out there right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like everything, it just naturally happened that way because they're the things that I gravitate towards. And I can't explain why that is, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm happy that it like comes across that way that it looks like very (laughs) thought out. And cohesive. (laughs) Yeah. And cohesive. That makes me happy because like you said, working across different medium, it makes me happy to hear that though there are different mediums, you can tell like, okay, that's Lena's photo. That's her painting. That's, and I've heard that a lot, which really makes me happy that I'm doing like that. It's me. Like I'm coming across through all the types of mediums because I have seen artists who they do like sculpture mm-hmm. and then they do paintings and you would never know. Never it's the could same be able to connect them with each other. Um, right. I mean, you do like, yeah, you do your, your collages, which are very like um, the shapes are like very bubbly and like bright color. And then you do like your little bub, like your bubbly pots, like ceramics that are also pink and have pattern. And then you do your photography and then there's like big freaking like inflatable, like pink flamingo in the middle. It's like, of course it's, it's your work. It's like just moving from one medium to the other. Um, but like in terms of the, do you just, 
go with the flow and just like whatever comes out comes out or is there like a a story behind like what are you communicating through your work and how does um yeah like how does painting and making these collages like what are they are they talking about something that you're going through or is it just like it just comes out you know what I'm saying yeah I'm I totally like get what you're yeah. saying um so I think for me like uh I know it would be nice to have a beautiful story behind each painting but really what it is mm-hmm. is I deal with a lot of um uh, kind of day-to-day anxieties about I mean we all have anxieties that's normal but I think Art is like my way of channeling and trying to understand some of the things I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to be in a very specific mood to create. Okay. So this painting, I might not be in the mood to do it for another three weeks. And then mm-hmm. I'll suddenly get in the mood and I'll paint for four hours. Um, mm-hmm. And so like it has, it's, it's a way of processing and it's a way of trying to work through things. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the co-founder of Emerge East, which I'm currently represented by, little yes. plug, Um, congratulations thank you the co-founder Dima uh said something that actually I had never even thought about but she was like there's some sort of organized chaos in all of your work Mm -hmm. that that's how she put it um and she was like it's like you're processing a lot of thoughts at once but they're they're all organized in a very specific way in your own brain like she was referring to collages Mm -hmm. a specific collage Mm -hmm. series I did and I was like, that's so true. Like there's all, I always have like 5,000 tabs open in my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm trying very carefully to process each one, but then like one thing pops up and another thing, like a little pop up and I have to block it. And, yeah. and so I think it is like actually my brain on paper sometimes mm. when I'm painting or drawing or, um, so I thought that was a really beautiful way of capturing it. And I think yeah. that's the best way I can define it as well. Amazing. Um, do you have, uh, are any of like the things that you, which one brings you like most, which one resonates with you the most, you think? Like, in my, in my in work? Your, in your work, yeah. Um, I was really, really happy with this big uh, collage series I did. I, they're on my Instagram. I can share mm-hmm. them with you if mm-hmm. you, if you want, but they're yeah. like, a, it's a really big piece on fine art, a fine art paper. And like in the background, I did these like kind of marker lines Oh yeah, and they totally—they happened in the pandemic. I sat down. Uh, that's right. That way—that's like the really good paper that you found. The yeah, really good like, paper. Yeah, yeah. my <laughs> cousin. Like, where did you buy your paper? From? Yes, exactly. And so, like, I actually never even thought of doing uh, collages on nice paper. And then I was at my cousin's house on pandemic last year, mm-hmm. and she had a. We were just sitting cutting. I was like cutting papers and stuff, and she was like, "Do you want a nice? Do you want to use nice paper?" And I was like, "Are you sure?" Like it was like a 30 dirham piece of, you know, really nice paper. And I was like, oh, I've always just done this on like craft paper. Just like try it. And I was just sitting on the, I remember sitting on the floor in like a nightgown at her house, <laughs> like in lockdown and like just cutting. And then it just happened naturally. And then I was like, oh, this is, I didn't want to sell it. I was like, I want I to keep this. these. Yeah. Um, and I might just continue doing that exact series forever just because it's extremely therapeutic mm. also. Um, so I think those are my, my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, the painting thing, I'm still been such a long time that I that I've done acrylic painting Mm so I'm not quite happy with how they're coming out yet but I'm I'm working on it and it's like something I want to grow more into so you 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 started it you talked about uh, you brought up emerges and being represented um how has that like how has that been for you I know this is like very new still like you haven't been um this is as of recent this has happened but has that changed your the way you see your um, 
making and your yourself, like your perception of yourself as an artist? Like how has that changed? Um, I think in terms of validation, it's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, I didn't grow up getting that validation and we, it all goes back to childhood, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were, if you were always lauded as this amazing mm-hmm. mathematician, you would never think of yourself as an artist. So not that I was lauded as a mathematician, mm-hmm. but, um, so in my head, I've always felt like, okay, I have something like I at least enjoy it and I want to share it. And it make it would make my friends happy when I would gift them an art piece. Mm-hmm. But then for total strangers to either a want to buy your art, something you made, which is extremely intimate and personal, mm-hmm. and then a gallery to say, I, we actually want to represent you as an artist. For me, that's like, it's still kind of mind blowing and it's yeah. very, it, it's very touching to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think uh, it it makes me feel validated and encouraged to create more work and to improve as an artist mm-hmm. and to want to to define and refine my practice continuously. So yeah, it's huge for me. And like even being invited to be on your podcast is really big. And like oh, I I don't think anyone would want to listen to me talk, but the fact that you invited me to me is like okay, that's that's really encouraging and nice. And so for me, this art thing is also a self-confidence building yeah. thing because it takes a lot, as you know, to yeah. put yourself out there. And it does. what you create is such a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it is you. It's yeah. a tangible version of you. So um, I think it's, it's, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to put yourself out there. But mm-hmm. then these like little moments of validation are like, okay, maybe it's okay to be seen and to share. And mm-hmm. I don't have to just like make things in my room and hide them under my bed. Right. Um, right. So yeah. I think- and you never know what's going to happen unless you do put yourself out there. I yeah. think that's like one of the issues that I personally have. And I know a lot of people have there. It's like, you can't wait for things to happen. Like yep. you do the creative, creative part, like focus on that. And then you, it is your responsibility if you want that kind of lifestyle to put yourself out there because no one's going to come running after you. Like, exactly. you know, like yeah. you need to put yourself out yeah. there, but then leave, then, then see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's the thing I've learned most is like, what's the word? I don't know. I would think I wasted so much time in my twenties being so scared, scared of rejection or being mm-hmm. told I don't, I don't belong here. And mm-hmm. I think imposter syndrome is something mm-hmm. we all relate to in some small degree, but why? I mean, we should just push past that. And like the worst that can happen is someone's like, your work's really not good enough, but maybe, and we've all had that, like rejections in life in general are good ways. I think especially in the art world, uh, rejection is such a big part of the whole process. I mean, I've spoken to people who their works are in museums right now and are, you know, showing all the time and, you know, they, they have a name for themselves and they, I remember I was going through a phase of like, ah, like I'm scared. Like I didn't get accepted to this or that. And they're like, do you know how many times like I got rejected until finally, I finally, I got picked up by this person or that person. But it's like, it's such, it's part of, it's part of being an artist. And that's because your work is not going to be liked by everyone. And you just have to like accept that, that like my, my work, and there's always going to be a person or an institution or a gallery that will like your work. It's yes. so subjective. It's so subjective. Yeah, and it's, so subjective. it's the same as we don't like every person we meet mm-hmm. and that's okay. And that also takes some, like it takes some sort of acceptance to say, you and know you what? won't be liked by everyone. And you won't yeah. be liked. Mm-hmm. Like they won't, uh, or, or you'll meet an artist whose work's amazing, but they're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, do I want to support that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like just accepting not everyone's going to like it, but there are people who will hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just do to focus on that and just do what you're doing. And, and I think for me, the biggest thing is like, I'm not going out there trying to make tons of money. Mm-hmm. I just 
I, if my, if my work can make someone happy for even five minutes, then I've done something cool yeah. and that makes me super happy and I'm doing it anyway. So right. I'm not doing it for like fame or for like those things I don't think are necessarily important. Um, yeah. It's more just, uh, I mean, it can't be, it, it's, it's kind of, um, I think it becomes discouraging when, because yeah. obviously if your work makes money or something like yay like why <laughs> not awesome, yeah, right for sure. but it's like if it becomes the sole purpose of like I'm going to do this to make money then your life could be really disappointing because yeah. it's just like it's very unpredictable in that way exactly and it's also putting a lot of pressure on you because also creative work is emotional work so mm-hmm. it's not like you open an excel sheet and you're gonna spend five hours doing that like painting takes emotional energy mm-hmm. and or producing any sort of work takes emotional energy and putting it out there takes emotional energy and so um, to, I think trying to, to make a, a living off of waiting for something to sell sucks out the soul of mm-hmm. the experience mm-hmm. of it for you. And also I can't imagine like the amount of energy that you spend trying to sell art or your own art or I yeah. don't know. So I think I, I really respect artists who are able to, to make a living off of it. That's mm-hmm. so amazing. Um, but I think it, it just must be so stressful to to produce knowing that you need to sell a certain amount or you need to. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a tough one. So you've done several uh, residencies, correct? Like here Mm -hmm. in Dubai. How has that, I always like to know about people's experiences in residencies because I feel like it's always such like an important part of their career or process how has what kind of residencies have you done and how have you have you found them um integral and important to where you are right now I think one of the things I can say about the UAE and Dubai in in general specifically is that um I think there are a lot of opportunities or they're trying to create a lot of opportunities for emerging artists or even established artists Mm -hmm. Um, the one that I did most recently was with, uh, Gulf Photo Plus and mm-hmm. Warehouse 421. Yes. Um, and that was, I think the open call for it was right before the pandemic. So January, 2020. Um, and I applied just thinking, you know what, even if I get a rejection, let's just do it. And I was, you'll never know. Yeah. You'll never know. <laughs> and like, I don't know. The, it's also probability. Like how many times you put yourself out there versus how many, like if you only apply to one thing a year, your chances of actually getting anything is. So I just, I started just being like, I'm just going to put myself out there as much as possible. Um, And I got in and that for me was a really, really integral experience in the sense that firstly, I was connected with all these other young artists Mm -hmm. um, from different backgrounds, disciplines, countries, like some Emirati, some European, some from the Philippines, um, and all have very different practices and approaches to producing. And it was a photography residency program um because it was very specific very specifically photography but it had an element of almost anthropology of storytelling and they were very open to us mixing our own art practices with the photography so um so it was basically made for you it was custom made (laughs) yes no it was awesome and so it was all focused on the Mina Zayed area of Abu Dhabi um, and how it's rapidly kind of changing and um, undergoing gentrification. And they wanted to do a photography project that captures it as it is now. But obviously each person in this program had such a different outlook on what they wanted to capture of that space. And mm-hmm. so it was such an amazing outcome. It's currently on display uh, until June of this year. Okay, at great. Warehouse for All right. Um, and Make a trip down there. Yeah, yeah, like the program was really nice in the sense that it taught us certain ways of uh, approaching the project, but also um, there was a lot of mentorship mm. from 
people of different disciplines. So there is uh, people from NYU, Abu Dhabi, who came and talked to us. We had different actual photographers who are working in the field, who are experts um, and have been working for a long time. And so it, for me, was like really nice having a space where I could explore ideas, but also get criticism, Mm. which was really hard. Mm Because, again, I didn't have the art school experience of having to have critique. constantly being criticized. Yeah, which I think is one benefit people who did go to art school have is they're used to that. But if you're not used to it, it's really intense. (laughs) So so far, I've just been working from home and I I just love the work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it's my mom loves it. My boyfriend loves it. Um, And so having like a professional who uh, has a specific experience comes in and tells you like this is not going to work um it's it's really it's a great growth process because Mm -hmm. it also forces you to like look at your work with different eyes and also understand work is subjective so someone might think it's terrible but then the next person tells you something completely different because we had like speed dating uh, feedback rounds where we'd have to talk to six people in a row present the project and then get their feedback and one would say i love this it's great the next Mm -hmm. one's like kind of falls flat for me yeah. and then you realize okay this is so subjective and I'm not going to change so what's you can't please answer? everyone yeah, yeah exactly and you can't please everyone so just and I what I learned was because I was trying to take their feedback into consideration so I changed my project thinking that I should try to please the feet the critics that I the criticisms that I got and I was like okay I'm gonna try to shape shape it in a different way and go a different direction and then I presented that round which was like the modified version which was not me it was not me at all, and it fell totally flat. Everyone was like, hmm, Lena, what happened to what you were doing before? And then I realized, no, just go with what feels right to you. Mm-hmm. And some people will not like it, but at least it's true to you. Yeah. And it's not pushing something that feels totally – because I thought, okay, maybe I'm too much in my comfort zone and I need to do something uh-huh. different. But there's a reason that there's a reason that you do you gravitate towards the things you gravitate yeah. towards because yeah. they're, they're you. And when I tried to do something that was different because I was pushing out of my comfort zone – it fell flat and people were like, this isn't, it's not connecting with us because yeah. my heart wasn't in it. I was like, I'm just doing this so that I can please, yeah. you know? Uh, so that was a really important uh, growth experience for me is to also stick to what in my gut feels right. Mm. Um, um, yeah, it was, yeah. so I think those types of residencies are really critical in the growth of, of an artist and I'm really grateful. Yeah, amazing. And you just mentioned comfort zone. I feel like that's, again, one of those words or one of those sayings that it's become like they look it's been looked down upon so much I'm like what's wrong with the com- <laughs> like what's wrong with comfort and I and I guess I understand that it what they mean by it I don't know who I'm referring by they like by society or like whatever yeah. whoever um that comfort zone it just means like you're not being brave enough right like you're not pushing like but it's also like why not do something that you're like that you're that's good natural at and you're and, natural and, and you're you comfortable enjoy, right? and yeah. yeah um so yeah I think it's I I agree with you like when you're when you get critiques and stuff it's always good because you are getting other perspectives and sometimes it might spark something else exactly like it, 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 it might work in another exactly. way and I've had that with my work too it's like okay I don't want to change everything that I'm doing but like what you said here hmm that gave me an idea to do something else so yeah, getting critiques, it's always one of those like double-edged swords. It's like can really hurt and pierce, but it could also inspire you and, and make like, you think, give okay. you new ideas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to opening yourself up opening, to it. At least. Yeah. yeah. And, but as you said, like at the end of the day, sticking to your own gut and doing what it, it will shine through. Like that part yep. is what um, sticks and like True. makes you go forward. Um. 
So tell us some of the, I mean, you've kind of mentioned it, but I want to know more about like that you say that the day-to-day things are the things that inspire your work. Could you give us some examples of the things that I want to, I want to know more about your like observation process? Sure. Um, So I would say like when I first moved to the, to the UAE, um, a big thing that I was doing because I felt like a fish out of water and I didn't really know that many people. And I felt so like lonely and lost was just walking around different neighborhoods and trying to get a feel um, for the energies in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And like my favorite things that I discovered were like an old teddy bear in a window (laughs) of like a salon like a saloon. I love that they always say saloon. It reminds me of like old Western movies. Yeah. Um, or like a really sad little fluffy bl- blanket hanging in the middle of summer on someone's balcony. Like why are they washing washing this really thick blanket? Like so those little things like would spark curiosities in me or like mm-hmm. a kid who's like running after his mom and like misses her hand. Like it's it's visuals, but it's also like the feeling of places and mm. what they make me feel. And so Um, I don't know if I'm articulating it well, but there's something about the sense of discovery that I want to kind of come through in Mm -hmm. my work or playfulness, because I I also think it's important not to take life so seriously. And I would say that my art for a lot of people does that. Like it's It's whimsical. Whimsical. It's like maybe, I don't want to say childish, but it has like those elements that are like, like the innocence, like that an like, innocence to it. Yeah. Like it's not dark. It's not mm-hmm. like I, I want it to be fun. I don't want it to take itself too seriously. I want it to be like a little giggle, like mm-hmm. a little, I don't know. So I don't know. It's really hard to articulate. It's just the way that I like, I will say that every weekend I do try to carve out time to have like a solo adventure. Mm. Um, so like drive to Khan and see like what happens on the way or what I like, what, I'll pull over and see a mosque that was built in 1979 and I'll just want to sit and like draw it. Or like there will be a really ugly cake in the little mm-hmm. bakery that will make me want to like draw cakes for that. Okay. Not going to lie. I always get very confused by your Instagram posts when you put a picture. I'm like, wait, does she actually look like it? Or does she like, I never know. Like, wait, so is this your style? Like, are, are you like really admiring the cake? Like you think it's beautiful or are you like, make, are, are you like just amazed by how like, tacky it is like oh. it's really that it's really that like it's the irony of it like I don't know I just love things that are so ugly that they're really cute um I can't describe uh like, your, like your trips to the supermarket and like you're like the label the labels the I'm like am I missing some things like is this good design maybe this is good design like I don't know that's, that's so, so funny, funny. Yeah. No, I think I think I like things that are inherently like, like kitschy, so bad that yeah. they're good. Um, and that I don't know that that comes through in my art because I'm not trying to make art that's necessarily kitschy. But like no, no. on a visual level, I really do like product design that's just bad um, in a really fun way. Like someone just googled rose and then put a, like the first Google image of rose on their like cleaning products or whatever. So I don't know. That's it's random, but it's all part of like the way I. It's just how, I, like, it's always been how I am. Like, I remember going to the grocery store with, like, my boyfriend. And he'll be like, why do you have to take pictures of labels? Like, we just need to get one thing. Like, I want to be out of here. And I'm like, but this is so funny. Like, look at how there's, like, a dancing bean on this, like, package. Um, and so, like, I don't know. It's just, 
it, that's it. What I, I guess what it is, is a playfulness that uh-huh. I approach life with and that I hope comes across in my mm-hmm. art. Like, it's not going to be like, I'm not going to paint ugly cakes, but the ugly cakes will inspire me to want to make a cute ceramic sure. that has little funny shapes on it. That might be cake shaped, Got but it. you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but <laughs> no, I think that you would see that and you're like, does she actually like this? I don't understand. I'm not a designer. Maybe this is good design. Like there's like a little Simbad, you know, like in the corner, <laughs> like weird fonts, misspelled, like typo. Amazing. Because <laughs> you're always like, I'll give 100% to like this design. I'm like, what? <laughs> what am I missing? Um, so l- I'm going to start wrapping up a little bit, but this is like one of my favorite questions. Well, it's not my favorite question, but I love speaking, talking about space. And you've mentioned that like you haven't had a, you know, a full blown, whatever, like a art studio and you do move a lot. So could you talk to us a little bit about your definition or how like studio spaces work for you? Cause um, I mean, we spoke before still having a space to create is important. Um, how is your studio? Like how has your studio life been like? I think that's a really great question. So I could see why it would be one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always been a very sensitive, uh, very sensitive child, like from childhood, I've been sensitive about my surroundings. Mm -hmm. And so like my mom would tell me I was all like smell, scent, the whole, like if someone was eating Chinese food in the living room as a four-year-old, I'd have a panic attack and like be screaming and crying because I didn't like the smell. Like, so I've always been very sensitive to surroundings. And so everywhere I've moved, the first thing I do, I remember even actually when I got the keys to this place, mm-hmm. I instantly was like, okay, I need to change that. Like I called someone within the same hour to fix the lights. To um, So I think surroundings play such a huge role mm-hmm. in your ability to do anything, especially as a creative. And mm-hmm. so that's everything. That's lighting, that's smell, that's color. Um, so I always have candles on. I have like five different kinds of incense depending on the mood. Um, like... Yeah, your house, like, as soon as I came inside, I was like, wow, that's a nice smell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I want to have a full sensory experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that there's lots of natural light, that there's color. Like, obviously, with this place, if I, if it was my, pers- like, permanent studio, I would do different things. I'd have a wall mural, or I would, mm. like, paint walls, or I would have bigger, like, I would do different things if it was more long-term. But mm-hmm. because it's not... I did enough things, I think, to make it comfortable for me to be able to produce and want to sit on the floor and draw or paint or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I wanted to do things that were, like, fun. Like, these little crates I found outside the spinnies, and I cleaned them and, like, just so I was like, I'm not going to buy a dresser. I'll just do that for that little corner. And I love it. What a beautiful blue. Yeah, what? like, the blue is so nice and, like, complements the yellow of the vase. And, and so, like, I think for me in this draft table is a new thing that I just got. So like, I'm excited to see what work I can create there. And so um, I think I really have fun putting together a space Mm -hmm. and I want it to be a reflection of the kind of work I want to create. So Mm -hmm. like I try to find fun patterns like this pillow, that carpet. Mm -hmm. Um, I want the space to, to feel fun and colorful. um, And I want every element of it to be very like curated. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I've tried to do that as much as I can with the kind, the confines of a furnished apartment and the confines of an apartment mm-hmm. that's not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really critical. Like if I'm in a room that I don't feel encouraged, like I'm not comfortable on a sensory level, mm-hmm. 
Um, but that's your living space. So your living space and your studios, like your creators yeah. are basically one thing. One. Exactly. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stresses me out, to be honest. Like when I knew you were coming, I was like, okay, I need to like at least tidy it up a little bit. Cause last night this was not like that. Um, <laughs> I was like, let me just try to make it a little bit more presentable. So it, it does limit me in the sense that like, because I am also like, I like things to be clean and orderly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like leaving things out all the time. And so it does limit the amount of, like, I can imagine if I have a studio space, I'm, I would be happy to leave, like, paints out. And mm-hmm. it's okay if there's just, like, a mess of stuff everywhere. Because um, you'll come back tomorrow and you'll paint and you'll close the door and go home and mm-hmm. it's a different mm-hmm. space. So I think having to share studio space, the living space is hard. And mm-hmm. it does it does give limitations because, like, all this, the craft stuff are in there and, like, the drawers are overflowing. And you can see that one popped open because I, like, stuffed papers in it. <laughs> Um, so that, that's annoying to me, but at the same time, it is what it is. And I do, I do what I can with the limitations I have. Um, but I think I try to make the space as friendly as I can to both welcoming people in, but it still has like the stuff in it that I'm going to like, I'll paint on that later today. So I'm going to keep it set up. And do you Um, like working more in isolation versus working like in a shared studio space or that's hard one. Like I've never had a shared studio space. Mm. So like, I don't know how I'd feel about, I've had like sessions with friends where like, we're both working on our own thing and that is okay for a period of time. But I think mostly I do like being on my own. Yeah. Um, Cause then I can set all the, like the music's my music or if I want to have like bad TV on in the background or whatever it is, like I'm controlling that, that uh, output. Um, but I don't know, the idea, like you said, of like a, a space like Tashkil, where you have a bunch of different creatives working on different things might mm-hmm. also give you the energy to produce. So I would I would be open to it in the future. I think it could be. I mean, it worked out for you, yeah, right? You yeah, enjoyed yeah, it? for sure. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And now I'll come <laughs> to my last favorite question. <laughs> so many favorite questions. <laughs> I just love all the things that we talk about. Um, the last one that I usually like to ask, and that's such a personal question, and man, people's answers like vary so, very so much from one person to the other, is that how would you, Lena, um, define living creative? What does living creatively mean to you personally? Mm, that's a really nice question. Um... I think for me, living creatively is approaching everything with a sense of curiosity mm-hmm. and um, I guess openness as well. Like everything is art in a way, if you choose to receive it that way. Mm-hmm. And getting dressed in the morning is an art form. Um, the way you eat can be an art form. Like I think it's also, uh, that's a really actually deep, like it's much mm-hmm. deeper than uh I don't know. I think if you're an artist, the way you see the world is like, is, is like you see the world in a way that is creative and, um, it's hard to articulate the way you see the world to others for, in a way for them to understand it. But I think it goes back to the question earlier of like, I like having solo adventures because of the things I can explore and, and, and discover along the way at my own pace. And like, I think even going for a drive with the song and like singing your heart out in the car by yourself is Mm -hmm. like a creative experience. Um, So I think it's just, yeah, playfulness and curiosity with your daily lived experiences. And I also think being open to different energies, like meeting different people, even if they are not in the creative Mm -hmm. uh, field, being open to like receiving information and 
and having conversations that fall outside of what you normally would have conversations about, yeah. I think is also part of, of being an artist. Um, yeah, artists don't always want to be just with artists. Yeah, like it gets a little, like you want to have a different perspective and you want to have, which is like why I'm really grateful to also have a partner who is in a totally different field, not an artist, doesn't like, he can appreciate art, but like, he'll still do the same thing where I'll show him a painting. He's like, but what does it mean? And I'm like, it doesn't always have to mean something. I don't get it. So yeah. Like what is, what is that supposed to be? It's like, not everything has to be something you can recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about being open to that art is an emotional experience and life is an emotional experience. Mm-hmm. And it's the way you receive and process that and the ideas you get randomly from conversations. And so that's a really great question. Like, I, I feel like I want to sit and reflect on it and like answer you tomorrow. <laughs> But, but I loved your answer. Okay. No, it's really beautiful and it makes sense. And uh, yeah, and that's your definition. Like, that's all that. I think it's here. like, even like right now, your outfit is mm-hmm. like inspiring me to use more golds and like, mm. like, because you're all like, your color palette is also very Yusra, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I really want to wear orange eyeshadow now. Like, yeah. because I think that's a way of, of openly observing, like it's maybe observation as well, curiosity mm-hmm. and observation, like. I don't wear that color eyeshadow. This is such a specific detail, yeah, yeah. but it's like noticing those details, observing them, and then being inspired by them. And mm-hmm. so, like, I love like all your gold hoops. You're like your very fall colors, but it's it's not colors I normally use. But yeah. I'm like, no, I'm like, hmm, I kind of want to like try wearing that <laughs> eyeshadow tomorrow, or like seeing how that might make me feel. So it's I think being open to things outside of what you normally do and noticing them and like being curious about them mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with everything like this is something I also want to if I have kids like teach them to be curious about others and not because I think it's so easy to like uh want to box things into the way you Mm -hmm. understand them and to and to only be familiar with things you're exposed to and I think part of being an artist is being open to the fact that you're just one of seven billion people and one perspective of seven billion different ways of living um so I think that's my answer I love it no (laughs) that's really beautiful thanks and yeah, thank you so much. This for has been the, so fun. This, this, this has like, been so fun. I was fun. so trepidatious, like, oh, <laughs> podcast. And, but this is just like really nice having Yay. a conversation with you. So yeah. thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for having me. And thank you for having me in your beautiful home. This is, uh, as I said earlier, it's uh, it's so nice. I haven't been out. <laughs> and you know, when you go out and you see people right now in the pandemic, you still are not seeing people face to face. You see them like still half covered. True. And like, I, I can't see emotions and... Um, so this has been really nice and thank you for having it's me here awesome. and making me some delicious coffee with oat milk um, <laughs> this has been really lovely and yeah i'll see you around all right thank and you thank you everyone for listening bye, bye.